After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Today's guest is Brett Brewer, President and Member of the Board of Directors of AdKnowledge, a leading online advertising technology firm. Brett is a former president and founder of Intermix Media and one of the critical brains behind the popular online networking site MySpace.com. In 2005, he sold Intermix to News Corp for a sum of $673 million. He is active in a number of community and charitable organizations, including Big Brothers of Los Angeles and BizWorld.org, a children's education organization. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Brett Brewer. Thank you. Was MySpace a surprise for you guys, or was there some kind of uh, secret sauce formula to come up with what websites were going to be launched? Right. So it certainly it wasn't a surprise from the sense of that it got any sort of traction out of the gate. Um, we had launched a bunch of sites and we put a lot of resources behind it. Chris DeWolf and Tom Anderson, who are on the cover of Fortune and, and they're actually still with Fox today, um, they were the guys that, that had the initial idea and launched the site. Um, and really Tom Anderson was the, the brains behind the product of MySpace and which, which uh, verticals to roll out next. So when, when we rolled out that site, they were extremely excited about the launch and really as a company we were excited about the launch. The nice thing is because we had had so much experience launching various internet sites, it didn't take months and months and months to figure out that there was a formula there that was working, right? So internet companies, content-based companies pretty much are like television stations or newspapers in that they look at the number of people coming to their site, how many page views or how much time the people are spending on that site and how often they're coming back to their site. So a typical e internet content company um, like an iVillage or a CNN.com um, or Fox News is seeing a person once or twice a week, typically anywhere between eight and 10 minutes. And I'm sure you see that in your regular internet lives. That's you go to a site and then you look at, at it for a bit. Even from the first and second month at MySpace, we were seeing people come back to the site every day and spending more like 15, 18, 20 minutes on the site. So really right out of the gate, we said, wow, this is, this is fascinating. People are really fascinated with returning to the site and seeing if people have commented on the picture they just put up or seeing if someone's responded to a comment they left on someone else's picture or whatever the case may be, but it was a really interactive site. And of course, the reason page views are so important is to the publisher, page views are money. The more page views you have, basically you can put an ad on every page and you make more and more money. So even though the site initially was very tiny, obviously, and, and it was really launched from an internal office promotion where we just said to our, we had about 200 employees at the time, that everyone come onto MySpace, invite as many friends as you can. The employee with the most friends in their network at the end of the month will win $200, second place $100, third place $50. And I think the winner had something like 88 or 90 friends in their network. 
and that just gave it a little bit of a poof and started out with, you know, next thing you know, we're at 2,000 users, 3,000 users, 4,000 users. But even though that was so early on, you could really see the metrics were there that, that there was a formula that was going to work. So MySpace is not the first, or was it the first in that space? That no, kind of so the, the first space. site in that space that to make a lot of headway was called Friendster. Right. That company, the timing worked out well in that Friendster was a little different in that Friendster was mostly focused on me going in and seeing Evan's contacts and saying, Evan, will you connect me? I see that you know Joe Smith, who's connected with the ABC Corp. Will you connect me with him? Mm -hmm. Right, And it worked very well from that perspective. It was really the first of its kind. The difference in that model is, of course, I don't need to go back to your and check your contacts on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Right, It's more of a thing I do once a month or once every couple of weeks at the most. MySpace, of course, is more about people's lives and about everything that's going on in their lives and not only sharing that but connecting with people all over the globe to share that. So consequently, users go back once or twice or three times a day. So you guys were not the first mover in that area. What do you think was you know, the most important things or maybe the milestones that took you to the top of that market? Sure, that's a great question. So sometimes in launching as many internet businesses as we, we have over the years, it's nice sometimes to be first, but in, in most ways on the internet, it's actually fine to be second or third or fourth because you have the advantage of obviously seeing what's working, seeing what's not working. And in the internet space, of course, because everyone, it's not like the offline world where if you get that best real estate spot on a specific corner, you've got an advantage for the next 50 years, right? In the internet, MySpace could be big tomorrow. Theoretically, five years from now, another site could be big. Um, because everyone has access to all sites. So consequently, being second or third is okay. And we really looked at it exa exactly like that. We saw that there was initial traction, there was clearly interest in this concept of social networking. But for the most part, the thing that users didn't like about Friendster um, was what I touched on earlier, which is I could only ask you to connect me with someone in your, in your database, or I could only ask you to connect me with someone in your database. There's no way to actually search the entire data database so from the word go, when we launched it, and that, that's why we launched it with Tom Anderson being everybody's friend, because the key was that made one friend be shared between today 150, 160 million people. And the key, of course, then, is that allows everyone to be searchable, and that allows me to find seven people in Australia that are also interested in Metallica, or whatever the case may be, as opposed to the Friendster model, where you could only search in a very defined database. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community.
GreaterGoodRadio.com. We're back with President and Member of the Board of Directors of Ad Knowledge, Brett Brewer. How many people did you have on your MySpace team at that time? About 23 or 24. And how soon did you folks have to bring on more staff because of the explosive growth? Like the third or fourth week. The third or fourth week. I mean, we had gotten pretty good at seeing what was working and funneling into that growth. And clearly, MySpace worked better than anything else we had ever launched before or since. So uh, as soon as we saw those metrics, as soon as we saw how often people were coming to the site, how long they were spending on the site, you knew you had a formula there. Um, and consequently, we just had to fill, fill it both people-wise and also servers and having the, the technology infrastructure to support that growth. What was your life? What were you feeling emotionally, physically, mentally, knowing that everyone's all of a sudden coming to your site? Um, they're excited about it, you're excited about it, and you don't really know the path it's going to take. And then eventually, it led to huge success. Right. So that time, honestly, to put it in perspective, we, we were a public company. Um, Intermixed Media, the parent of MySpace. We had been public for five years at that time, four years at that time, um, and we were doing roughly uh, $80 million a year in revenue. That was the size of the business. So we launched MySpace. It's working very well at month two, at month three, at month four, but revenue-wise, it's very small, and compared to everything else that's going on, we clearly had to keep focus on, on the other parts of the business that were actually generating the operating income. So initially, it was excitement over the product, excitement over the fact that I thought if we executed correctly, we could have a huge success on our hands. But by that same token, it was just kind of rooting for that product. But it was also staying focused on our core business and, and keeping all the engines going. Wait, so Intermix was already public. That uh -huh. You founded the company with your partners? Yes. When did Intermix go public? April 14th, 1999. When did you... You started in 98? 98, yeah. So it was a different era. It was the era of speed back then. So let's talk about that. How sure. did you meet your partners? How did you guys get this thing formed? And what was it like to take something IPO in a year? Yeah, so it was a, it was a different era. Obviously, it was the early 90s or the late 90s. And the whole concept of internet and internet businesses um, getting off the ground was there was tons of money chasing everything under the sun. I went to UCLA, graduated in 1996 with the guy I started with. He was my roommate after college. We saw a bunch of companies getting off the ground and getting funding very quickly. One of them being a company called theglobe.com, which if you go back and look in 1998, it was the best performing IPO there was. Uh, it opened at like 10 and closed that day at like 34. And essentially, it was an entertainment content company online that, that was a little gaming-oriented around games. But it was two young guys in their 20s that were based on the East Coast. Um, and I remember literally seeing those, that, reading about it and saying, what? These guys are launching this entertainment internet content company, and they're in New York? We're here in L.A. Like, we can, we can make that work. We can get some traction behind that. So initially, we sort of self-funded and then went out on the road to raise money behind this idea of an LA-based entertainment internet company. It took uh, about 10 months to raise the initial funding and it was very typical of the fundraising process where there were no's from probably a hundred different groups and there were, those no's lasted maybe like eight or ten months. 
and, and almost to the point where we questioned many times the actual direction we were going. Initially, we were we were going more after angel financing, um, and the, the Southern California group of angels and individuals calling on individuals that didn't have a lot of traction. So we switched more to venture capital. Um, we just weren't de developed enough business, or certainly didn't have the background, so that didn't really work either. Um, long story short, a group in New York called Gerard Clara Madison um, is a small boutique investment bank, and the the uh, head and the founder of that that uh, investment bank's named Manny Gerard. And when he saw our business plan and kind of liked the fact that we were these young guys that weren't really going about it the traditional way and just wanted to give it a shot and try and make it work. He said, you know what guys, I'm in, I'll support that, I'll put in $250,000 of my own money. Gerard Clara Madison, the bank then, said, well if Manny's going to do it then we'll put in two fifty. And from that moment, everything else just fell in line. He has a lot of personal credibility, so consequently we were able to then go back to the other people we've been talking about and we raised $7.2 million over the next 45 days. But you guys, did you have experience in business before that? Not much. Not much. Just trying to start little businesses. I was doing a lot of real estate, actually, uh, in like 96 and 97. Um, you mean you were doing it in college? Uh, graduated in 96, so this okay. was just out of college. Mm -hmm. So what was your major in college? Business economics. Um, but at UCLA, the one, my one thing about college, and I say this all the time when I speak at colleges, is I think college is great. I'm a huge fan of college in general, but as far as business experience and really learning, I think there's nothing compares to starting a business or joining people that are starting a business or big business, small business, it doesn't matter. The amount you learn in a month actually doing it, I think is more than you learn in four or five years in college. So I don't really think, I'd love to say UCLA, you know, there was, there was some great things other than contacts and stuff certainly came out of that, but for the most part, it was figuring it out our own and, and getting you know that breakthrough support from some key guys. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with President and Member of the Board of Directors of Ad Knowledge, Brett Brewer. Right out of college, you started going out to fundraise with your friends. Mm -hmm. How did you know what path to follow? Because like you said, you didn't have that business experience. Right. It's a great, that's a great question. So junior year in college, I worked as an intern for a uh, guy uh, who had a small investment bank that was doing private placements for companies, uh, for public companies. And basically what he was doing is he had a pool of money, in foreign money, and they would go to these small private bulletin board companies, companies with like 15, 20, 30 million dollar market caps 
that needed capital and they would connect them and do a deal and put in a million dollars at some reduced stock price. Those investors then most of the time would look to sell that position pretty quickly and make a 30% return or a 25% return. Um, so I worked for him for about a year and saw firsthand on one side the way the fundraising process works and, and got to meet some of these bodies of capital that invest in businesses. And on the other side, I got to actually meet the CEOs that were running these relatively small companies. Um, but I was fascinated by um, the whole concept that a lot, of these, a lot of these guys had started on their own and had got the stuff off the ground. So it sort of got me out of the mentality of I need to go work at a big co company I need to go work at Nestle, and I need to be there for three years, and then I'm gonna go work at Wells Fargo, and then you know, 20 years from now, I can think about doing something outside the box. I, fortunately, as a junior in college, had exposure to 10 or 15 different people that had different levels of success, but they all achieved, in my eyes, you know, pretty high level of success doing it on their own. Did any one of them give you really valuable advice that really changed well, you said obviously it changed your thinking. Um, give you valuable advice that you use throughout um, your business decisions early on and you always keep in mind now. Uh, I'm sure I got lots of advice. The, the guy that, uh, that I worked for um, at that investment bank, his advice, and it was more because he wanted to benefit from it, but it really has worked well, is he and this is another thing I say all the time, anyone that listens to me, but he really convinced me early on, part of that business, the way it works is, once you've got the capital sources, you need to proactively go out and find companies that wanna raise money through that vehicle. So a lot of it is actually cold calling, essentially, the CEOs of these businesses or the CFOs, and saying, hey, do you wanna do a deal structured like this? It looks like you only have $2 million on your balance sheet or whatever the case may be. So the individual that I worked for said, um, don't ever be afraid to call anybody. You have to call these guys. Don't think that you're, at the time I was probably 20 or 21, don't think just because you're 20 or 21 and don't know exactly what you're doing that they're gonna somehow know that or feel that. You call them with confidence and you're providing something that very well may be a great fit for them. These guys need capital to fund their businesses and you have access to capital call them up and have that kind of belief. And before that, I was much more nervous and just didn't even almost, almost felt like, would these guys even want to have a conversation with me? And over time, I sort of saw pretty quickly that once you got to the right person, usually the CEO or the CFO, and could prove essentially that you were credible, that you had done a deal or that at least the firm had done a deal, you, you instantly had a rapport with the person and I was talking to another CEO like I was, you know, running Morgan Stanley, a 50-year-old guy running Morgan Stanley. But meanwhile, I'm 20 years old in college. Um, that whole business, by the way, just to show you how small it was, that whole business was run out of his house. It was five people total. We'd drive to his house in the morning. We all had our cubes with our phones and, you know, we'd, we'd start making phone calls and trying to put together deals. But that honestly still sticks with me today. Even the size of Intermix and MySpace, even as big as it got, um, not so much at the end, but, but early on, we would want to do a partnership with another internet company. Um, and lots of times there's just this perception. Um, we sold the business for roughly $700 million. There's obviously lots of internet companies like Yahoo, where their market cap is $40 billion. So 
Consequently, when you're calling on Yahoo because you want to try and put together a deal, it's easy to get intimidated and say, oh, they, you know, they don't want to talk to us or they don't have time for us or, you know, almost just avoid going right at the person you want to get to because there's all kinds of excuses, you know, I should go through someone else or can someone introduce me or whatever. But, but I guess my point is e even through all the way up to today, if I'm after, if I'm go trying to get a hold of Rupert Murdoch at News Corp to try and pitch him something, the first person I'm going to call is there, and I'm going to try very hard. If for some reason I can't, then I'll go down after that. But it's not starting at a lower level and kind of working your way up, I guess. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth Neptunites, For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business Contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 Or online at bubbletea.com Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth how do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Radio. We're back with President and Member of the Board of Directors of Ad Knowledge, Brett Brewer. When was it that you got involved with Biz World, um, Boys and Girls Club, and community things? Was that before you made money or after? I've always tried to do as much of that stuff as possible, um, which is not saying that I did a whole lot over the years, but I don't know if I mentioned it before, but my youngest sister is adopted from Korea. Um, and for our family it was a big deal because it really kind of opened my eyes where I grew up in central California in a place called Turlock you didn't really see a lot outside Turlock we adopted a little girl from Korea it kind of was a big eye-opening experience so I tried along the way to always try and do as much outside helping of people as possible the only thing I was really doing before Biz World was that of any size was uh, Big Brothers of Los Angeles so I started doing that when I was 25 just out of college, all through this fundraising process, I was doing that. Um, and then BizWorld was really about two and a half years ago when economically things were going better and I thought I could, could not only help a, an organization from a guidance perspective, but I could help them materially economically as well. Um, and I met Tim Draper, who's the founder of BizWorld, uh, about three years ago. He's a, a very successful venture capitalist. Um, and so meeting Tim and really seeing his idea behind it and why he wanted to do it, I loved from the, from the word go. I love kids um, and I love business. So for me, I said, that, let's make, pick something easy that you care about. It'll make it a lot easier to, to want to spend time there. So what's the elevator pitch, one minute elevator pitch on BizWorld? So the elevator pitch on BizWorld is um, 
most kids, this is really designed for fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, most kids in that age group, especially in inner city public school system, have no concept whatsoever of business. And by that I mean not only starting a business, but even just what business is. Just the concept that businesses are out to make money, they, physic they usually make some sort of product, either virtual or physical, uh, and sell that product. That whole concept just isn't really in schools. Um, and if you get into a situation where the kid doesn't really have a strong home support, where it's a lawyer and a you know, vice president of some company, in those family environments, the kid usually gets some kind of business sense. But in lots of homes, there is no business sense. So consequently, when those kids are learning what a negative number is, all this kind of math stuff, it, it just doesn't mean anything to them. It's literally like learning Greek. So what BizWorld does is it brings relevance to why they're learning all that stuff. And, and what the program is specifically is two days in the classroom of splitting up into five or six person groups and creating a product, which is a bracelet, marketing that product, and then eventually selling that product. And then I think most importantly, um, having a, a tally and deciding which business ran themselves better than another business. And the, the, the great thing I like about BizWorld, and I give the credit to Tim, is he wanted to make it like real life. There's plenty of programs where everybody ties, and there's plenty of programs where everyone gets to have each kind of role. But in BizWorld, there's a president of the business, there's a vice president of marketing, there's a vice president of financing, there's a vice president of sales, etc. Everyone has a role, and if you want to try and be the president of that little group, you just got to convince the other five or six kids in your group. You may or you may not, but that's reality. And the other reality, of course, is some businesses are going to perform better than others, sell their bracelets for 80 biz bucks, and some of them aren't going to make a good bracelet and sell it for eight bucks. But the kids all of a sudden are saying, wow, I built a business and our business was great. Or our business didn't do very well, but it adds some context to the whole reason why they're learning. And I've taught the class a few times in San Francisco and in LA, and it's incredible when you see that impact on a fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh grader that just never thought of that concept before, never, never had that kind of perspective when it, the light goes off like that, it really does change the way they view things. Why did you start getting involved in nonprofits um, from the get-go? Did somebody share with you that it was important to give back, or was it just something within you that you wanted yeah, to be involved I, in? I would just, I mean, I've seen my parents uh, over the years do kind of what they can, where they can. Um, so consequently, I just, and really most of my family as well, so I just always viewed it as as soon as I could, I would spend the amount of time and energy and money that I could in any in any sort of arena. And again, the, just the match with BizWorld being kids and business made it too good to pass up. Why was it important to you to still be involved with Big Brothers in Los Angeles when you're doing this fundraising process? Entrepreneurs are always busy. Well, the one thing about Big Brothers of LA is you have a commitment to the kids. And, and I happen to have two guys that are brothers. Um, and so consequently, once you're sort of hooked in there, it's not the kind of thing which they, they definitely you know, fully disclosed up front, but it's not the kind of thing you can do for two or three months and then not do, uh, as opposed to lots of nonprofits where obviously you can. So that really made it so I needed to stay committed through that process. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.